In the first chapter of Genesis, there's this really interesting thing that happens where God says, let us make man in our own image. Now that's, that's plural, it says let us make man in our own image. Now he's talking about the Trinity there, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are then creating us out of their own very image and breath, which means this community, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, if we're created in their image, then that means it's in our very identity that we are created for community as well. It's actually trying to live without community is like trying to live without oxygen. It's a very part of what it means to be human. I think a lot of times though we fall on the other side of that. We think we can just follow Jesus all by ourselves, just he's our best friend and we have no church community. We have no uh, people around us that are helping us through life but God gave us this family that actually is where true joy comes from. I mean trying to live without the church is like trying to sit on a stool with one peg. You might be able to do it decently successful in regards to how you're showing yourself to the world but it'll be very difficult and much harder. It wasn't created to act like that. We were created for community. We were created to be in the family of God. Well, good morning again, and welcome again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. I am so thankful that you guys all decided to be here, and I am so thankful to get to be up here and to share a message with you. Actually, for the next few weeks, as I mentioned last week, um, I'm going to be here for about the next four to five weeks with you, and we're going to launch into a series starting today about community and about church community. Um, as you guys know, we are in a bit of a transition phase here at the church. Um, for those of you that were here last week, Ed mentioned that he's actually in the process of transitioning out of the preaching ministry position. And as Jason mentioned to us, we are going to begin our search for a preacher. And I hope that we've all been praying through that and thinking through that and really just meditating on that as well. But I figured this is a great time to talk about community, because I think now more than ever, we need to come together as a church family and really be all working towards the same goal and all be moving in the same direction. We know that, that change can be hard, and we know that change can be scary, but if we all come together as a family and work through this together, I know that God has a plan for us, and God has a plan for this church, and I have no doubt that he will do what's best for our church. So with that in mind, I think that it's a great time to talk just a little bit about community. And it's going to be a four-part series on community. So we're going to be talking through this for the next few weeks. And just to give you an idea, this is how it's going to kind of break down for us. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that you can't do this alone. Or maybe better stated, you shouldn't do this alone. Week two is going to be all about what is community. What does that look like when we are truly in community within our church and we're working together and we're doing things together? Week three, we're going to unpack how our community equals our witness or what we're saying to the world when we come together as a church. And then week four is going to be all about expanding our circles. And what I mean by that is it's going to be about how do we bring in those folks who are not just like us who maybe don't look like us or don't talk like us or don't act like us or not from the same places that we are. So guys, I am really, really excited about this series and I wanna encourage you to try to be here for all four weeks so that you don't miss out on any individual part because like anything else, it's a sum of its individual parts. So I wanna encourage you guys to be here all four weeks of the series as we start to unpack this idea of community and really coming together as a church family. 
So part one, you can't do it alone. I love that video that I shared with you guys. And you'll find a lot of times when I share a video with you like that, it's something that I've run across that really spoke to me. And I hope it spoke to you as well. I love what he says about how from the very beginning, we were designed to be in community. And I love his example of the stool. Because I can almost envision sitting on a stool with only one peg and trying to balance on that stool. And yeah, it might work for a few minutes, but in the long run, that's not going to work out very well. We're going to fall. We're not going to be able to sit on a stool with one peg for a long extended period of time. We might be able to fool some people and make it look like we have it all together, but underneath we're probably freaking out trying not to fall over and make a fool of ourselves. So I love that video, and I hope that that video spoke to you as well. So what I want to do before we get into some scriptures today is I want to share a couple of things with you. This is actually from a 16th century poet, and I'm going to say his name wrong, John Denae, and it says, No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Now, I'm sure you guys have always heard that no man is an island thing. I know I've heard it a million times. It's in songs. I've heard that quoted a lot of times. I was never really sure where that came from until now. But what, the reason I bring this to your attention is even as far back as the 16th century, people got it. We are not designed to do this alone. Let's look at one more example. This one is from Maya Angelou, and it says, There are some millionaires with money they can't use. Their wives run around like banshees. Their children sing the blues. They've got expensive doctors to cure their hearts of stone, but nobody, no nobody, can make it out here alone. Now again, this is just a catchy little poem, something I wanted to bring to you guys' attention because I think it really speaks to exactly what we're going to be talking about. So now that the poetry lesson or the English lesson is over, let's jump into the scripture and let's see what the scripture has to say about it. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what a couple of poets had to say about it. And it doesn't really matter what I say about it. The bottom line is, what does God say about it? Or what does God want us to understand about community? So let's jump into some scripture. And we're going to start out in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 9. So I'll give you just a second to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to pick up in verse 9. And it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I love so much about this verse, but I really feel like this verse could stop after the very, we could just stop at verse 9, and that could really just be the basis for this whole lesson. We could really just look at this one verse, and it will tell us everything that we need to know. So I want to give you a little example of what we're talking about here. You may have noticed this old credenza, whatever this is, um, is up on the stage. This lives in the youth room. That way it's out of sight for everyone else. But I want to show you what happens when we try to do things alone. So I'm going to have Carter come up here, and I'm going to ask Carter to take this big, heavy credenza and move it backstage for me. So Carter, no pressure. Okay, so... He could probably do it. He might tear up the carpet. He might tear up his back. 
But let's see what happens when he has some help. So Stefan, Cole, Eli, come on up. Pays to be the youth minister, free, lab, free labor. All right, so now I got more room to work with. But you guys get the idea. Carter probably could have moved that on his own. It would have taken him some time. It wouldn't has been, have been as effective, but he, was, he would have been able to do it. But what happened when we brought the four of them up here to do it together? It was so much quicker, it was so much easier, and it was so much more effective. And that's exactly what the basis for this lesson series is all about. We're not designed to do this thing alone. We're designed to do this together. And that's why I love this verse so much. It tells us right in the very beginning, two are better than one. It tells us that if we fall down, we need somebody there to pick us up. And that's what this is all about. Here's the question that I want you guys to think about this morning. And I want you to think about this throughout the service. Why are you here this morning? Why did you walk through the doors this morning? You could be on the golf course. You could be at the beach. You could be sleeping. You could be home watching TV. There's a million other places you could be on a Sunday morning, but why are you here? You could be at home watching the live stream. You could be at home reading the Bible by yourself. There are other options, but you chose to be here, but why do we come to this place together? And that's what we're going to be looking at today, is what brings us here to be with people of like faith on Sunday mornings when there's other places that we could be. Maybe we could be at home working on our relationship with Jesus by ourselves. That's what we're going to unpack a little bit here this morning. So let's move on to the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Acts is one of my favorite books. People come to me a lot and they say, I want to start reading the Bible. Where should I start? I generally tell them, read the book of Luke and then read the book of Acts. Because Luke, of course, tells the story of Jesus. And Acts, in case you didn't know, is part two of the book of Luke. It's the same author and he literally picks up one story where he left off the other story. So I love the book of Acts because what the book of Acts was was the Holy Spirit working through the early church. So what better place to focus our efforts than what the Holy Spirit was doing in the early church as we start going through this process that we're getting ready to go through, as we start to transition our church, what a great way and a great place to start is in the book of Acts. So open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 42. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It says, everyone was filled with the awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They, they, excuse me, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. This is a model of what the early church was doing. And what I want us to think about is, is this what 
we're doing? Are we still hungry for the teaching from the Bible? Because we don't come to church to be entertained. Now, I may be funny once in a while, and funny things may happen once in a while, and I hope you're entertained because you're here to be lifted up, and you're singing songs, and you're seeing your brothers and sisters in Christ, but we don't come to church to be entertained. It's not a show. Hopefully, we come to church because we are hungry to learn another portion of the Word, just as we see that they were in the early church. In the early church, preaching went on for hours and hours and hours and hours. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to do that. Because just like you guys, as you can probably see, I like to eat and I want to have lunch today too. But my point is, they were so hungry for the scripture that they didn't care how long it went on. Because they were hanging on the edge of their seats because they wanted more and more and more. And then it says that they were one of the fellowship. And that's kind of one of those words that's gotten lost these days, fellowship. We had a great time of fellowship yesterday morning. For those of you who were at the men's breakfast, I know Brandon mentioned it earlier, but I want to mention it as well. We had 42 men from this church that came yesterday morning to be fed both physically and spiritually. There's something that happens when you break bread with someone. And what I mean by that is when you have dinner with someone, when you have lunch with someone. Now, a lot of us go out to lunch every Sunday anyway. I run into you guys sometimes at the mall food court or at a restaurant or whatever the case may be, and that's fantastic. Invite somebody to join you. Invite somebody who maybe you don't even really talk too much to go to lunch with you to share a meal because something happens when you surround a table with someone and you eat with them. The walls tend to come down, and you can really build those relationships, and you can build that fellowship with one another because guys we are a family we are the church family both the church here and the church around the world we're family we're brothers and sisters we love each other we're all working towards the same goal but we can't do it alone just like Carter struggled to move the credenza by himself but when he had four people it was a piece of cake but let's continue to look at what the early church was doing it said everyone was, <laughs> was filled with awe and wonder and the signs performed by the apostles. I hope that we still have a sense of awe and wonder when we read through the Bible. Because let's face it, Jesus did some amazing things. Some things that I certainly couldn't do. Some things that our elders couldn't do. We don't have the same powers that they had, but we can read from the inspired word these amazing things that happened. But if we're not in the word, then we're going to miss out on that. We've got to be in the word to know these things that Jesus did. And that's what faith is all about. We don't get to see them, but we believe that these things happened. Now, as we, as we continue on to see how the early church was modeled, it said the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, we may not have everything in common because only a few of us like the best team in football, the Dallas Cowboys. All right? So we may not have everything in common, but I don't believe that's what I'm supposed to get from this scripture. The thing they had in common was they were working together to know Jesus better 
and to create and to grow and to make disciples and to advance the gospel just as Jesus had taught them to do. That's what they had in common. Now, this next part can be a little hard to swallow. It says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying go home and sell your house. That's not what I'm talking about. But they modeled the fact that they were willing to make sacrifices for their brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should be willing to do the same thing. Again, don't misread. I'm not saying go sell your car, go sell your house and live on the street so you can help other people. But what I am saying is if you have the ability to help a brother or sister in need, do it. We talk a lot about the New Testament church and how we want to be like the New Testament church. And that's fantastic. But this is what they did. Now, just to let some of you off the hook and put some of your minds at ease, if you keep reading in Acts, you get to chapter 5, it was optional. You didn't have to sell everything that you had. But if we focus on chapter 2, they were willing to do it, and they did it for the greater good. And that's what families do. And we're a family. Families help each other out when they can. We've all been there. I've had to call my parents in the past and be like, uh, my car broke down and I need money. And what do my parents do? The check is in the mail. Because that's what families do. If my brother called me today and said, hey, I'm struggling financially, I need help, guess what I would do? I would take whatever I have in my bank account and I would send it to my brother because he's family. And I'll tell you what, my brother and I don't even get along all that well, but he's still my brother. And isn't that what it's all about? We don't all have to be best friends with one another. I hope we all like each other and I hope we all love each other, but we should be willing to help each other out in any way that we can. And maybe it's not financially, because maybe you don't have the means to help financially, but we can be praying for that person. We can be talking to that person. We can be helping that person in other ways. And that's what they're modeling for us in the book of Acts. Let's pick up in verse 46. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you catch what it says in the very beginning of this? They met together daily. Now, we don't meet daily, right? We meet on Sundays and we meet on Wednesdays. But that's not what we're talking about. That's when we come to this building, right? We can still be together every day. We have this amazing thing called technology that's fantastic when it actually works, right? We don't even have to pick up the phone anymore and call someone. We can text them. We can email them. We have tons of social media, all of which has some type of messaging or, or functions where you can get in contact with people to let them know that you are thinking about them. But here's the key. When they worked together daily, they grew because they were all working towards the same 
goal. And God rewarded them. And he says in the end that the Lord, doesn't say the apostles, doesn't say man, it says the Lord, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what does that tell us? That tells us that when we're all working towards the same goal and we're loving one another and we're helping one another, that the Lord will add to our number daily because he has the power and the ability and the want to do that for us. But we got to do our part. Let's take a look at another scripture, and this is going to be from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. And I'm not going to read this again because Floyd did a fantastic job of reading this earlier, but I love this verse. It says that let us continue to spur one another on. We're not talking behind each other's backs. We're not trying to tear people down. We're trying to build people up. And that is so, so important. Because just like in a family, and this church is a family, we should want to see each other do well. But unfortunately, we're in a place in our society where we love to tear people down and we hate to see people be successful. Maybe because it's because they're more successful than us. And instead of patting that person on the back and saying, great job, we're like, oh, I bet they didn't do it honest. Oh, I bet they took shortcuts. There's no way they deserved that. But the Bible teaches us in Hebrews that we should be spurring one another on. We should be encouraging people. We should be praying for people. We should be building people up. Not tearing people down. That's one thing you can do to kill a church. Start talking about people behind their back and start cutting people down instead of lifting people up. Because nobody wants to come and find out that somebody was talking about them. Or come and find out that somebody isn't trying to lift them up or trying to help them, but instead they're trying to do the opposite. And I think now more than ever, we have got to come together as a church and lift one another up. Encourage one another. It's so, so important. There's nobody that doesn't like encouragement. Nobody. That's just human nature. That's who we are. Everyone likes encouragement, whatever that may be. Maybe it's something simple. Maybe it's not. Take an interest in people. Take an interest in somebody who you don't already know at this church. Find out about them. Find out about their families. Find out how you can pray for them. Find out how you can encourage them to do better. Because remember, in the verse we just talked about, when we're all working together, that's when the Lord is going to multiply our numbers and our faith. So, where do we go from here? And we're going to really dig into this next week and talk about what it means to truly be this church body and how we're dependent upon one another. But I'm going to give you just a little teaser because you may be thinking, I want to be in better community with my brothers and sisters. And maybe you're just not there yet. There are so many ways that we can do that. You can get involved in serving the church. Guys, I do a lot of the scheduling of the volunteers, and I'll just tell you right now, we need way more help than we have right now. So if you want to know a good way to meet people that maybe you haven't met before or talk to people who you haven't had a chance to talk to before, when you get involved in serving the church in whatever capacity that may be or wherever your heart is or whatever things are you're passionate about, you'll find that you'll start building that community and that fellowship. Maybe you're not in a small group. We do have a few small groups that meet here, and I know we're talking about hopefully 
increasing that number as we go forward. But guys, small groups is one of the best ways to get connected in this church or in any church because we need each other. We're a part of a, a phenomenal small group in Phoenix, and it's just about doing life together. Having somebody that you can call when times are good. Having somebody you can call when times are bad. Being able to lean upon one another is so vital to our success. Because again, God didn't design us to do this alone. He doesn't want us to do this alone. If he did, way back when, it would have been just Adam. But he knew that it wasn't good for us to be alone. We have the book club that meets here. Some people don't even know about the book club. We have the book club that meets, which is basically, call it a small group, whatever you want to call it. But they get together once a month and discuss a book. Now, it's not necessarily a Bible study, so to speak, but they're spending time with their brothers and sisters in Christ, getting to know one another, being able to pray for one another, and talking with one another over something that they have in common, which is a book that they happen to be reading. Again, invite someone to lunch. What a great way to get to know somebody. Hey, let's go grab a bite. Or, hey, come over to our home. I know that's kind of gone by the wayside these days but because uh, people don't like to have people over so much as they used to. But, but what a great opportunity to get to know someone and to talk to someone and to encourage someone. Again, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna unpack this a little bit more next week, but investing in others. We talked again a little bit yesterday at the men's breakfast about something that I think is so important, and that's mentorship. And that's something that I tried to get going when, before we moved to Phoenix about five years ago. Mentor someone. We have some amazing people in this church that have been Christians for a very long time and have a lot to offer and a lot of things that they could share with someone else. I want to encourage you to do that. And it can be something so simple. Maybe you love coffee and you have found a great coffee spot, invite someone to go to coffee with you. Invite one of our youth group kids who you may have nothing in common with. Hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. I found this really great place. Or maybe you like to work on cars. Invite someone over. Show them how to change the oil. Show them how to change a tire. Show them how to clean a carburetor. I don't know, whatever you want to do. My point is, find something that you're passionate about and take that opportunity to teach someone else about that because that's when you're going to have those really important conversations and be able to pour into that person and to be able to really get to know that person. Mentor someone. We have some phenomenal cooks in this church and, and people who can bake. Invite someone over and show them how to make your favorite recipe and share that meal together or that treat together, whatever the case may be. Again, it's about building relationships with people you may not have a relationship with already. So we've looked today at the scripture about why we should be in community. And the, and, and the Bible makes it pretty clear that in the New Testament church, the, one of the things they were doing right, now they weren't perfect, don't get me wrong, they had their issues. And read the Bible, you'll know. But every church has its issues. But they make it very clear that that community aspect is so very important, even from the very beginning of the church. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this family that meets here in Mission Viejo. We are so thankful for all of the families represented here, and we are so thankful that we have this beautiful building to come to. But Heavenly Father, it's more than just coming to a building. 
Heavenly Father, we need to be now more than ever in community one with another. And maybe some of us do a great job of that, and maybe some of us need to work on that, Heavenly Father. But please help us as a church to come together to all work towards our common goal, which is to be closer to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for sending your Son, and we thank you for all that you bless us with. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. As we wrap up this morning, in just a moment, Brandon's going to come up and sing what they call the song of invitation. So if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and been buried in baptism to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptistry is ready, it's warm, it's clean. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. There's no reason to walk out the door today without being baptized, if that's something you feel that you're ready to do. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've kind of not stayed on the path that you want to be on, and you want to recommit your life, or you want to ask for prayers, or you want to just say, hey, I want to be a part of this family. You have an opportunity to do that this morning as we stand together and as we sing.